You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Heavenly Father, um, less of me and more of you, that my words would be your words and that through them you would be glorified. I pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. So recently, I found myself awake in the wee hours of the morning. Now, I'm a naturally early riser, um, but on this particular day, I found myself wide awake, even earlier than usual, while it was still completely dark outside. Not even a sliver of light beginning to appear. While it was still so very dark, I found my mind racing. Dear friends who've recently suffered terrible losses, looming deadlines, both personal and professional, and headlines that point to increasing violence, selfishness, and alienation around our world. Mind tired, body aching, heart wounded, I fell into a restless sleep. I was weary. Are you weary? You know, it seems almost impolite to ask that question today in this setting. I mean, look at this festive setting. Look at the beautiful table decorations. Look at all the decorations around town and all the lights around town. This is a time for merrymaking, for parties and shopping and decking the halls. It seems impolite, but I'm going to ask you again. Are you weary? The history of God's people is marked by weariness. Time and again, we find the people of Israel weary of waiting for God to do it their way, to act according to their timeline. And what happened as a result of their weariness? Israel became a wild vine, following the devices and desires of their own hearts instead of following their Lord. And in their endless soul-sucking search, For the thing that would satisfy, the thing that would end their weariness, God's people became even more weary. So time and again, God's people turned away from him and attempted to do life apart from their God. In response to their rebellion, God allowed the nations of Israel and Judah to be invaded and his people to be taken into exile by pagan attackers. But in their exile, God delivers a message of hope to his weary people. In the 40th chapter of his book, the prophet Isaiah turns from historical accounts and messages of judgment for God's rebellious nation to poetic prophecies of her redemption. The people Isaiah is addressing here are weary. They're weary of the oppressive regime of an enemy ruler, They're weary of living in a strange land, weary of living away from their temple and apart from their God. What is it that is making you weary? Is it simply the everyday grind of life? Menu planning and grocery shopping, carpool meetings, household chores and work deadlines, the ups and downs of family relationships? Or is it the pressure of holiday preparations? 
the right decor, the right gifts, the right family photo for the right Christmas card? Or is it guilt for things done and things left undone? Or unforgiveness towards someone that you just can't let go of? Or maybe you are weary of waiting, waiting for that child to come to her senses, for that spouse to finally admit he has a problem, for that chronic condition to improve, or for the pain of a loss to lessen. What is it that is making you weary? Because of the ravages of sin, we live in a weary world. When we try to combat the weariness in artificial ways, a luxury vacation, a day at the spa, a shopping spree, or by spiraling down the rabbit hole of social media or some other addictive excess, we might find some temporary relief, a momentary break from the weariness, but we will never find lasting comfort. Like the Israelites, we will just find ourselves growing more and more weary, and eventually that weariness can give way to despair. But for the believer in Christ, there is hope because God does not grow weary. God's word of hope to his exiled people in Babylon all those years ago is the same as his word for his weary people in 2022. It is a word of comfort and not in the many and varied ways we seek to comfort ourselves. It isn't a hollow silver lining behind every cloud kind of message. Our English understanding of comfort is to soothe, ease pain, make feel better. But the Hebrew word nakamu means to strengthen, to encourage. It instills a sense of security that is absent in our use of the word. The comfort to which Isaiah refers is the comfort that comes when we know that we have received a full pardon from the Lord for all of our iniquities, all of our sins, those things that we've done and left undone that weary us with the heavy burden of guilt. Well, Isaiah tells us that the Lord himself has already received the double portion, the exact matching payment required for all of our sins, past and present and future. And this is why Simeon, at young Jesus' presentation at the temple, describes Jesus as the consolation of Israel. God's love for his people, shown through the redeeming work of his Son, gives us hope in a weary world. God delivers this good news of comfort through a mortal messenger, but in the fleeting, transitory nature of human lives, we can only find so much comfort. There is no real lasting comfort in mortal flesh. All flesh is grass, cries Isaiah, and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. As humans, we will always fail one another, despite our best intentions. We cannot save ourselves or one another. Through Isaiah, God wants to drive home the message of the frailty of man contrasted to the permanence of God and the unfailing nature of his word. One commentator writes, Infidels for 1800 years have been refuting and overthrowing this book, and yet it stands today solid as a rock. 
its circulation increases, and it's more loved and cherished and read today than ever before. Infidels, with all their assaults, make about as much impression on this book as a man with a tack hammer would on the pyramids of Egypt. If this book had not been the word of God, men would have destroyed it long ago. Emperors and popes, kings and priests, princes and rulers have all tried their hand at it. They die, and the book still lives. We can depend on God's comfort because it is everlasting. The word of the Lord that stands forever gives hope in a weary world. Now, for the exiled Israelites, from their perspective, the promises of God that he would make them a great nation, that God would have a special relationship with them, and that God would establish his kingdom on earth through them, well, these promises appear to be in question. From the perspective of the Israelites, God was absent in the Babylonian siege of their land. In their limited view, Israel felt abandoned by God, left alone in her weariness. Have you ever felt like God was absent in your darkest moment? Do you feel like God has abandoned you in your weariness? Isaiah 40 begins like the Gospels the voice of one crying in the wilderness, and ends like Revelation with the promise of the new heavens and the new earth. The prophet's immediate audience is the exiled community of Judah. Isaiah is speaking about their immediate redemption, but by the Spirit of God, Isaiah also has a more glorious deliverance in mind. Isaiah's words here speak of a messianic salvation and a future hope a total defeat of the enemy who delights in seeing God's people weary to the point of despair. Isaiah reminds us we belong to a God who has already written our story beginning to end, who does not leave us. We belong to a God who came down to save us. When Isaiah addresses what is on the hearts of the Israelites, he is also addressing the questions that plague us in our weariness. Does God want to deliver us? Can God deliver us? Will God deliver us? In just the very first verses of Isaiah's beautiful poem, speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, and that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins we can see that God's answer to each of these questions is an emphatic yes. The hope of his coming and promise of deliverance is only as great as the God in whom we believe. And in this word from Isaiah, we see the full picture of our Messiah. He is the just judge, mighty and powerful to save. And he is the tender shepherd who tends, gathers, carries, and leads his flock. We grow weary when we forget or when we don't know or truly believe that the God who spoke us into creation, who knows every hair on our head, is the same God who promised never to leave us or forsake us. Isaiah reminds us, the Lord is an everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and to him who has no might, he increases strength. 
Now the word for, worry, for weary used here means exhaustion caused by the hardness of life. As we live out our faith in fear and trembling in light of the promise of God's continual redemptive work and our hope in Christ's return, we find that in Christ our strength is renewed for the hardness of life. When we really know who He is, we can fully trust that we worship a God who wants to deliver us, a God who can deliver us, and a God who will deliver us from all the pain, sorrow, suffering, and demands of this world. At Jesus' birth, a weary world rejoiced, a world plagued by the same weariness as their ancient Near East ancestors, and the same weariness that weighs us down today. When Jesus came into the world for the first time, a weary world rejoiced just as we do every year at Christmas when we celebrate his birth. It seems impolite to talk about being weary this time of the year, but there must be something to it. So many of our favorite Christmas movies and stories and shows deal with this weariness. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm a big fan of Charlie Brown Christmas. And if you'll remember in that special, Charlie Brown is weary. He is weary of all the artificial, superficial, commercial trappings of Christmas. Charlie Brown is desperate to believe that there is something more to Christmas than shopping and pageants and parties and decorating. Do you remember the point of the show where Charlie Brown's weariness ends? Lights, please. <laughs> And Linus goes on to recite the words that finally ease the weariness and give Charlie Brown the comfort he seeks. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you this day in the city of David a Savior is born, which is Christ the Lord. With this announcement, a weary world rejoiced. And we have just entered the season of Advent, and having Advent as part of our liturgical tradition helps us realize and remember that this rejoicing is only a pre-party. It is not the main event. Jesus' birth happened while it was still dark. And while the Incarnation is certainly cause for great celebration, a celebration of the coming of a new age where the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, where the light shone in the darkness and the darkness could not overcome it, Fleming Rutledge reminds us we cannot remain at the crib. Advent looks backward to the birth of Jesus while it was still dark and looks forward to his second coming when there will be no more darkness and the Lord God himself will be our light forever. When Jesus comes again in glory, the party will be in full swing. A weary world will rejoice forever in the heavenly presence of the Lord our God. But what about today? Are you weary today? What does the Lord have to say to you right now in your weariness? Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. And I will give you rest. For God so loved the world 
that he gave his only begotten son so that whosoever believes in him might have eternal life. This is a true saying and worthy of all men to be received. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he is the perfect offering for our sins and not for ours only, but the sins of the whole world. That morning that I mentioned in the beginning, when I woke up even earlier than usual, when it was still so very dark, the morning the weariness overtook me, and after reading my Bible and saying my prayers, I fell back asleep. Well, in that sleep, I came to feel a deep peace, and as that peace washed over me, I became aware of a light slowly beginning to filter in through my front window, bit by bit slowly and slowly the darkness began to fade as the light overcame it this is our life as christians this is our life as advent people living in the now and not yet rejoicing at the pre-party of jesus's birth while anticipating and preparing for the main event of his second coming we are the people who live in darkness but also we are the people who've seen a great light Life in Advent is a life of weariness in the waiting, but it is also a life of hope and expectation of what is to come, when every believer, no longer weary, will truly rejoice unfettered by the pains and sorrows and disappointments of this world. And in the meantime, we wait. But we wait with a longing for the fulfillment of the promise by faith, a waiting that is not passive, but characterized by confident expectation. Waiting requires patience, but not indifference. The hope we have is an active faith in the truth of God's promises. This is not to say that the Christian life is one without struggle or disappointment. In this world, you will have trouble, Jesus told his disciples. As people living in a fallen world, our lives will not be trouble-free. But be of good cheer, Jesus went on. I have overcome the world. As people who have received the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, our lives will not be without hope. This is a hope that persists in spite of the clearly recognized facts because it is anchored in something beyond. The only true comfort for a weary world comes from God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves have been comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's suffering, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. As we live this Advent life, this life in the now and not yet, God calls us to repent of the lesser things we've turned to for comfort rather than turning to him. God calls us to receive his good news over and over again that because of who he is, he can and will and wants to deliver us from our body of death, from the weariness that threatens to plunge us into despair renewing and strengthening his people as his work is accomplished in us and in the waiting in hopeful expectation god calls us 
to comfort one another, even as we have been comforted by him, in whom a weary world finds its reason to rejoice. Have you not known? Have you not heard? Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. Thank you. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us for one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.